Welcome to Dream Deep. Stories from inside with Molly and Nikki. Together we share stories, interviews, and ideas about what it means to dream deep and live fully. I'm Molly, a mama to three, a wife and owner of a small business in Virginia, Molly Suzanne, a photography company recently expanding to do custom coloring books and acrylic paintings. I'm Nikki Weaver, an artist, a healer, mover, maker, mama to two, wife to one, and currently building work with incarcerated women and women on the outside through a nonprofit called On the Inside, living in Portland, Oregon. Right, we're back after a little hiatus with stronger Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. This is a topic. Uh, we're talking about liberal and conservative beliefs. Um, Molly and I, when we were sort of hashing out topics and things that we wanted to talk about, this came up and I was like, ooh, this might be a long episode. <laughs> uh, might even be a couple episodes. Might be. <laughs> part For one, part two. Right, totally. And for time's sake, we'll we'll kind of keep it, um, you know, uh, under an hour here today for all of you that are listening. But uh, yeah, it's super interesting to just sort of think about when you think of those two words, liberal and conservative. Like, what comes up? How did you grow up? Do you see yourself really sitting in one camp or the other? Um, or have you sort of crossed the bridge? Like, I'm I'm so curious about anybody that's listening. If you were sort of raised in a in a liberal or a conservative family, have you crossed over the bridge and sort of gone the other way? And and why or why not? Th those are things that came up for me as I was thinking about this again this morning, Molly. Before jumping on here, um, yeah. How about you? Yeah, um, it's been fun to reflect just because I. I tend to stay out of, <laughs> I stay out of anything that's highly, um, like a hot topic typically. <laughs> and I know this is like politics in general has just been something I've always seen as very tender to some people and very, um, yeah, it's a hot thing and it's, people are very sensitive these days. And so I know being, you know, not wanting to, to really be confrontational, I tend to just not say anything at all, be more passive in that way. And I did grow up Mennonite, so I take more of the passive conservative stance. However, I think that I'm definitely, I haven't crossed the bridge. Maybe I'm like in the middle, of the, <laughs> um, you know, and that's why it's so interesting to hear other people's perspective, just because um, there's definitely times that I can see both sides and I can, there's, you know, times that I take this side on one topic and this side on another topic. Um, and it's can be frustrating just because I feel like so many people are so black and white. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the, the biggest frustration I see is just not hearing someone else's side. Mm. Um, and that's where I've always tried to be really open-minded and, um, and receptive to where other people are coming from and to learn from the other side too. Right, yeah, it, I agree with all of that. I think one of the hardest things, maybe in our world, is, is being able to listen um, 
And, and I often think of something I often say when I'm teaching or, or facilitating is that we have to listen with a desire to be changed. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're not actually listening. Otherwise, we're just trying to promote our own agenda or our own egos. Mm-hmm. And, and how easy it is to like listen and think like, you're, you're wrong and I'm right. Yep. You know, to like come into a conversation with that at the forefront of our brain that we're going to mm-hmm. persuade or tell or force the other person to like have our own beliefs. Yeah. But, but maybe we're all getting better at that. Maybe we are really all getting better at like listening with a desire to understand rather than to, to force change. Yeah. Um, I think I grew up pretty liberal, I would say. Um, I think of my parents both as sort of hippies. Um, but, but my mom grew up as a Scientologist. And I think I've said this on another episode. Um, and then my dad grew up Catholic, you know, and I went to Catholic schools. Um, but, but I remember my mom, I always identify more with my mom because I watched her from a young age, I think challenge beliefs within the Catholic church, you know, around her first divorce um, before the, the man that she married before my dad. And sort of going up to receive sacrament without having her marriage annulled and you know mm-hmm. saying like i'm not going to pretend a part of my life didn't exist mm-hmm. and at, at a, as a kid that was deeply embarrassing to me and as an adult i'm like oh no she was badass she was <laughs> sort of standing yeah. for her rights yeah and and what there's parts of me that i really want or believe the church needs to change that we can't hold on to old beliefs and expect that the people will continue to follow because just yeah. as we've all changed, you know, the world has evolved. Um, I, I guess I would have hoped that religion would continue to evolve and, and some part of it has, some part of it has, but uh, yeah, that, that's one thing that I think about. Um, but, but I know a couple things we had talked about in terms of like, I think there's so many ways we could go in this conversation, right? Liberal yeah. and conservative. A couple of the things that, that I'm curious to talk about um, are this COVID vaccine and mm-hmm. sort of our beliefs around that. Yeah. And then number two, I think the last time we sort of talked, um, the abortion ban in Texas had just come out. Yeah. And sort of like as two women sitting here together to talk or reflect about what that looks like and the different sort of beliefs of weighing, weighing in there. Yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Um, do you want to take the reins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or do you want to start the, the first topic? And let me know your thoughts on it. Yeah, well, well, you know, let, let's go to the vaccine then first, because okay. I feel like that's still, uh, it's so, it feels so, um, I guess, pre- prevalent, you know, in, in our world of, and probably like you, Molly, I have friends and family on both sides that some mm-hmm. are, have been vaccinated since, you know, the moment they could get an appointment and then others mm-hmm. that sort of waited a long time and thought about it. And then others that are like, there's no way the government will inject me with anything. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, like many people I've been reading, watching, sort of wondering, trying to ask questions and not hold judgment, but trying to really like look at all the different points of view. And um, one of the things that was most fascinating was I was at the doctor's a couple of weeks ago getting um, a pap smear. And I sort of said to her, she asked if I was vaccinated and I said, yes. And she said, thank you. And I said to her, you know, I'm curious, you must see a a lot of people every day that are not vaccinated. You know, what do you say to them? And she said, well, first I asked them why. And I said, well, that's that's great. Okay. So you started with the question. And she said, and then I sort of say, 
And, and she said, the answer that I get the most is because there's not enough research. There's not enough research as to why. And she said, and I can say to them, let me just pull up our, our hospital numbers alone. And she said, if I just pulled up our individual hospital numbers alone to show you that there are no beds available and all the beds that are you know, taken up are mostly by COVID positive patients. And that because of that, we're having to cancel Molly's surgery and so-and-so's you know, um, exam. And she said things that people have scheduled on their calendars for months and months out, big life changes, we're not able to perform those practices because we don't have room for them in the hospital. Wow. And she said, that's, that's probably the best reason I can give that hopefully helps somebody actually reflect because she said, unless they're a researcher, yeah. there is enough research at this point that, that yeah. says otherwise. So. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Anyway. That's so interesting. And you know, this is an interesting topic too, because for me at the very beginning, I was definitely very skeptical of the vaccine. I was very anti-vaccine, um, didn't want to conform and go along with what everybody else was doing. I wanted to know for a fact that it was safe and that it was effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's interesting too, because Brad, my husband, he was actually delivering a table to a doctor And um, the doctor's perspective was, you know, what people don't understand is that if they don't get the vaccine, then there can be um, a mutation of COVID and it can be another strand, which can be even more dangerous. And this was even before the Delta variant um, happened. And that really changed my perspective. And I started looking outside of myself and thinking more on the bigger picture, the broader picture. Can this help, you know, literally squash this thing um, or get closer to that possibility of squashing this thing? Um, And to stop being so in my head about it. And, you know, there's a lot of things I do that I don't know what is really in, I don't know what's in tattoo ink. I have plenty of tattoos all over my body, you know, like, and I know a vaccine is slightly different than ink, but still it's that same, um, thought process. And so that really changed both my partner and I's perspective on it. Just, you know, thinking, could we save lives? I mean, it's that simple. Right. Um, instead of being, you know, kind of stuck in, I'm not getting it, you know, and, and putting other people at risk, especially since I'm going out into the world, you know, not being vaccinated and, you know, even thinking of my kids, like, could I help it, you know, from them being exposed if I would somehow be carrying it. Right. Um, So that's kind of where I was at on it. I think, yeah, for me, it it felt like a no brainer right away. And, you know, our two kids are not vaccinated yet. And, you know, will be when we can. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think there's something I pulled up earlier today um, that I thought was interesting. I'll just read this as some sure. sort of facts. This is from uh, the BBC. Uh, it's pretty old though, July 22nd, but here's a little bit of what it said. Consider some recent statistics from the UK. In a study tracking more than 200,000 people, nearly every single participant had developed antibodies against the virus within two weeks of their second dose. And despite initial worries that the current vaccines may be less effective against the Delta variant, analysts suggest that both the AstraZeneca and the Pfizer jabs reduce hospitalization rates by 92 to 96%. As many health practitioners have repeated, the risks of severe side effects from a vaccine are tiny in comparison to the risk of the disease itself. 
Wow. Yeah. I've yeah. not heard that it, statistic. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, and that's July, right? That's not even oh. super, super recent, but I yeah. mean, even, even just that Molly, right? Like made me think, mm -hmm. uh, there's more reason I believe to, to get it than to not get it. But yeah. uh, anyway, I, I'm curious for friends that are listening, uh, email, text, uh, yeah, let us Molly and I with, with whether you're vaccinated or not. And, uh, let's, let's have a conversation, um, a healthy debate. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, that would be awesome. I would be very interested as well. Yeah, me too. What about um, abortion rights, Molly? Where are you on that? I don't think we've ever talked about this. Ooh, that's a that's a really, really big one. Um, <laughs> this is one where I truly feel like I change day to day. Like I yeah. hear a situation, I hear a story and I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart goes out to that person, you know, um, where there's rape or incest. And it's just, you know, you think, if somebody isn't prepared to have this baby, why should they have to have this baby? Why can't they have the choice to mm -hmm. abort if they want to? But then on the other side, you know, you see these babies that come from, you know, not being planned and being kind of a surprise and then they're born and you think, oh my goodness, you know, it's this beautiful life. Mm -hmm. And so many people, so many couples struggle with infertility or wanting to have a baby that could adopt and then you know never get the opportunity um so that so that's why i think it's such a hard it's not black and white for me at all yeah. um i would say i definitely would be more towards you know the choice of the woman's just you know decision um because it is her body regardless of what choice she makes and i don't think anybody should be forced especially the government to force you to do something one way or the other Mm -hmm. uh, so that's probably the the side that I would sway towards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, once again, it it just varies by situation, I believe. Yeah. What do you think, Nikki? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you know it's well. I'll just start off by saying I had an abortion right before Brian and I were married, and uh, you know, this is not something I've ever shared publicly. So I mean, yeah. let's just drop right in. But. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I think for me, Molly, the decision around that was, it was not an easy one, right? And it was definitely not an easy one that the conversation Brian and I had together, but it was, I mean, I was 25 when we got married and mm -hmm. pregnant sort of without really knowing, found out a few weeks before our wedding. And I just sort of thought, I don't even, I don't even know what it's like to be in partnership with you. And I don't know that I can be in partnership with you and also figure out how to raise a child at the same time. And mm -hmm. I think I'm too young to do this right now. Yeah. Um, and I want to understand what our relationship is first before we have a kid. And I mean, there's the privilege right there. Like talk about privilege of in our country where we have a choice, yeah. you know, and, and my body, my choice. I do want to believe that, that that could be true everywhere. And yet more and more we recognize it's not state yeah. by state or country. Um, you know, but it was one of the, the scariest kind of decisions we ever made. And, you know, I was far enough along that I wasn't able to just take a pill. I had to go in and they had to put me under and they did a vacuum suction. And that was terrifying and horrible. And um, waking up in a room strapped to a table with a bunch of other women that were screaming and hallucinating and uh, it, it, it traumatizing in experiencing collective loss in a room with a bunch of strangers you don't know yeah. you know and um 
I'll never forget that moment of people screaming out of like, was it a boy? Was it a girl? I knew it was, you know, or just wailing, just deep, deep wailing. Mm. Um, so, so I want to believe that having an abortion is not a decision that anybody takes lightly, yeah. but that I do believe it should be choice, that it should be a, a woman's choice. And, and I think that's something I've always believed. You know, I think I've always struggled with like, well, is it a baby? Is it a fetus? Huh? You know, yeah. You, yeah. you, we, we say that somebody like an adult can't walk down the street and point a gun at somebody, you know, that's considered murder. So, you know, I have struggled with like, but, but a fetus is not quite a human life yet, or is it, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and how to reckon with that, you know, that that isn't considered murder, but pointing a gun at somebody and killing them is so, so what that is. And then what that is to live with, you know, and in lots of different conversations, I feel like I've spoken to women that have shared that they've had one abortion or multiple abortions or miscarriages and that any way that you choose or navigate loss mm -hmm. in your life, particularly a human life, um, is deeply painful. Um, sure. and, and so I think, you know, as sort of this whole law around Texas came out, uh, you know, again, I pulled a couple things that I thought would be interesting to read. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that I, I just keep coming back to, and similar to the vaccine, that it has to be an individual choice. Yeah. It's similar to us saying like, I don't wanna force you to believe what I wanna believe. I wanna listen to understand your point of view. Yes. I think that's true with the vaccine and I think that's true with abortion. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Totally agree with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you find out? Read to us. Okay, <laughs> is it? Interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, so the first thing I pulled Molly was around um, Catholics for choice, mostly because I'm like, yeah, what do Catholics? That's how I grew up. What, what, do, yeah. what do we think? Yeah. Um, this is a little piece, Catholics for choice, condemns Texas dystopian new abortion ban and the Supreme Court for allowing it to take effect. So just a couple paragraphs here. Catholics for Choice, which uplifts and amplifies the voices of the majority of Catholics who believe in reproductive freedom, condemned Texas's dangerous and unconstitutional new abortion ban and the United States Supreme Court for allowing it to take effect today despite ongoing legal challenges. The law bans abortion after six weeks in direct violation of Roe versus Wade and allows private citizens to file suit in state court against anyone who helps a Texan terminate a pregnancy from doctors and medical staff to the spouse or clergy member the pregnant person may have discussed their decision with, the family member who may have helped pay for the abortion or the friend who might have given them a ride to the clinic. If that random private citizen wins, the law awards them a minimum of 10,000 plus attorney's fees. And if the target of their lawsuit is an abortion provider, the law orders the court to shut down that clinic. Wow, that, I, I mean, I read that and I'm like, if you were helping me as a friend, yeah, yeah. you would be fine. <laughs> oh. um, I mean, it's crazy. It just, it does blow your mind. Um, and your heart really goes out to those. Cause you know, I think we've all been in those situations where um, as a woman, you, you know, are, you know, performing this act of love with someone else. Maybe not, maybe, you know, it's just something fun to do for you, but, you know, you take on that responsibility and then, you know, to feel like 
you are in this situation that you don't have a choice over and it's something that can't be undone would be terrifying to me. Mm -hmm. Um, especially being your own body. That's just, yeah. And it's deeply emotional too, because there's, um, like you said, it's a life, you know, form and you're, you're thinking about human life. So it's, there's so many different, um, perspectives and, um, and, and I think truly with a lot of different, um, uh, perspectives, you really don't know unless you've been in those shoes. So like, I don't feel like I can say, you know, you've, you've had one. So for you, you know, your perspective could be completely different than mine because it's so personal. Um, and so I think people need to be sensitive to that and knowing your perspective could completely change if, you know, um, yeah. So you get pregnant, not being aware that, you know, you could, and you do, and you think, oh my gosh, I'm in this situation. And now my perspective is completely changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's a hard, hard decision. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you Molly, um, follow or read anything Ruth Bader Ginsburg? It sounds really familiar, but no, I don't. She, she was just a stunning woman. She was an American lawyer who was served for the Supreme court of the United States. Um, died not too long ago. And uh, her, her book is stunning, filled of essays and, you know, part memoir, part sort of her legal um, actions. And she was one of the women that really fought for Roe versus Wade, for women to have legal rights for their own bodies. Yeah. Um, but one of, one of the quotes that I pulled from her to kind of on her, um, her language on abortion rights, she says, This is something central to a woman's life, to her dignity. It's a decision that she must make for herself. And when government controls that decision for her, she's being treated as less than a fully adult human responsible for her own choices. Mm. Yeah. It just made me think about, um, you know, even with the vaccine of when we tell someone what they have to do that's about their own bodies, you know, are we treating people less than human? You know, are, are we saying so. they're right? Um, Feels that way, yeah. You know, and, and yet with the vaccine, people could say, but what about herd immunity? You know, we're in this together, um, yeah. you know, but, but so is an abortion separate from that, you know, that that's an individual decision, but a vaccine is not. Right. I don't, I don't know, you know, it's a, interesting conversation (laughs) it is I mean and once again I feel like I go back and forth so much but regardless of um what decision is being made I still think you should always have a choice over your own body 100% I don't think there should be anything that the government or anyone should ever tell you that I'm choosing this and you have no choice to me that's what always sways me that that way um because i have a friend that's actually really active on social media about just how this should be a free country but the government is slowly but surely creeping in on our lives and making it um you know all of a sudden not really in our hands our own lives and our own choices and that's kind of scary and frightening moving forward um and you know thinking about 10 20 years down the road what could that be like yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Well, and, and you know, the, the people that believe that we're, um, the, the vaccine is tracking our information or yeah. right. cloning us or, or whatever. Yeah. I can't even speak to it because I don't quite understand it, but uh, mm, yeah. Mm. Well, <laughs> any more on abortion rights or the vaccine, COVID vaccine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we covered a lot. I don't think so. I think, you know, pretty much, um, yeah, that's just in a nutshell the way I feel about both of those things. And they both go back to the fact that regardless of, you know, what's best, mm -hmm. I think that we should always have a choice. So I respect people that, you know, don't want to get the vaccine. And at the beginning, I didn't, you know. Um, so I, I respect that choice. And I also saying respect completely a woman that makes a decision to get an abortion or not. Yeah. Well, and, and you, I mean, you have a great perspective too on the vaccine, Molly, of like waiting, thinking about it, you know, not choosing not to get it and then saying yes to it, you know, and you're how you decided you and your family decided to get vaccinated. So yeah. I think it, it that's maybe that's what this conversation is or what both the vaccine and abortion is, is is allowing yourself to, to change too, you know? Sure, it, It's hard in life to, to change <laughs> anything. <hard>. Absolutely. <laughs> I think hard is definitely, can be good, but it also isn't easy. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Thank you for this conversation, Mom. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening and uh, connect with us. Email us. Text yeah, we want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, let us know. Where do you stand on the COVID vaccine or your own abortion rights. All right. Take care. Bye guys. <laughs> Bye.